Hey, Scott here with Grace Bible Church. Before we get into this message, I just wanted to thank you for streaming this sermon. We pray that each week you are challenged by who God is and what he has done for you. Now, this is never meant to be a substitute for you to be an active member of a community of faith. If you live in the Hollidaysburg area, or if you're in town for any reason, we encourage you to gather with us on Sunday mornings for our word and worship. You can learn more about what God is doing through our church body on our website, gbclive.org. As always, there are free resources in the back of the room. And by free, that means they're free. Take them. Uh, There are a couple of books back there that are last copies. Um, And so if you were thinking about maybe you wanted to pick up one of the books and there's only one left, I would suggest pick it up because they are uh, dwindling down. If you're new, my name is Scott. I am just one of the teachers here in Gospel Roots, and I'm thankful to be able to teach this morning. Here in Gospel Roots, we believe that gospel fruit grows from gospel roots. We record these lessons and we release them on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And so if you do miss a week or you're just coming in for uh, this is your first time here this morning, you can go back through, listen to those Uh, messages to get caught up. Uh, It it would be helpful. It's a little difficult. We're in week eight uh, to just be dropped in and um, be hearing some of the uh, things that we're going to be talking through uh, today. So I would encourage you to do that. So like I said, we are in week eight. We're going to be tackling Galatians chapter four, and we're going to be in verses eight through 31. I just want to quickly remind us of the theme of Galatians. And that is the heart of the gospel is justification by faith alone in Christ alone, not by obedience to any kind of external standard resulting in freedom that is both empowered and shaped by the Spirit. If you want a copy of that, we have overview notes for the whole series. They're on uh, the little podium back there. And then it also works through a little bit of an outline of the uh, letter to the Uh, to the church in Galatia. Also has teacher information. So any of the five guys that uh, teach in this class, we would be more than happy to talk to you if you have something you're working through, struggling with, a question about something that is being taught, uh, reach out to us. Our numbers are on uh, the handout. And like I said, we we would love uh, to talk to you. So one of the main points that we've been seeing in chapters three and now into chapter four that Paul has been driving home to the Christians in Galatia is the idea of how once we were slaves to sin, he uses this term of slavery in our sin, and how through our own man-made religion, we have become slaves to that. But now, because of Christ, because of the gospel, because of our conversion into Jesus, we have been freed from that sin. We've been freed from those traditions and that religion that we have been brought up in. Sean taught last week and he worked into the beginning of chapter four. And one of the verses that just stuck out to me was uh, chapter four, verse five. And it reads, God sent him, that's Jesus, to buy freedom for us who were slaves. This is something only God could do, something only Christ could could accomplish. And notice how it's past tense. Who 
were slaves. Because we were slaves to our sins means that we are no longer slaves. We are talking, he is addressing this letter to people who are no longer slaves. That's what the gospel does. That's what Paul is trying to communicate here. The gospel frees us. It releases that from us. It, it unites us back with our heavenly father, our Abba father, that super close, endearing relationship that we now have with God. And that all of this was accomplished by him and through him. It's no longer about race or status, our failures, our successes, our knowledge, our health, or our abilities to do something. Our eternal salvation is not dependent on any of that. That's why the gospel was good news. Not just to the Jews, but as Paul says in other letters, it's good for the Gentiles as well. It's good for pagans because their religions taught that salvation was something they achieved through their effort or through their works or by because they were born into it. Our salvation, what makes Christians unique, is that our salvation is dependent on Christ and Christ alone. But for Christians to grow in our faith, we must live free from man-made laws and we must remember the true gospel that set us free in the first place. So that's our main idea for this morning. For Christians to grow in our faith, we must live free from man-made laws and remember the uh, God's true gospel. So one of the functions of a church is to teach the gospel. So if we were to survey a whole bunch of people and say, write down the gospel, what it is, what would happen? Do we think that we would get a lot of the right answers? I would hope so. I would think so. But if we not know, if we don't know who we're pulling, what their thoughts are, how they think of things, how they view things, we could get a lot of answers that are very different from the gospel. And those answers might actually sound really good. They might sound really heroic. They might sound like something that would give us peace in our hearts. But if it's not rooted in the gospel, then it's not the Christian faith. It is not what we are to do. So that's why scripture is clear and Paul is reminding us that the, the point of a church, the, the worship that we give to God is through teaching the gospel, equipping others to teach the gospel, and then we teach the gospel. The gospel needs to be the center of each and everything that we do. And if it's not, then we've lost it. And we've lost our mission. We've lost the direction that we as a church need to go to accomplish God's will. The gospel in and of itself can be fairly easy to understand. We repent of our sins and we put our faith in Christ. But the fallen world, because of its corruption by sin, is constantly competing for our worship, for our attention, for our time, for our money, for our influence. It's, it's constantly wanting that from us. It's competing for our hearts. 
So if we are not rooted in the gospel, as we'll see in our passage today, our understanding of what the gospel is can be changed. And when the gospel changes in our hearts, it's a false gospel. And we can easily go from belief to unbelief and not even know it because it's so easy to fall into that. A few years ago, I was hired uh, to work with a client to develop uh, a new vision, a new marketing strategy for their company. They had a really outdated website. They had brochures that were printed, you know, in like 1995, uh, and they needed a complete revamp of everything that they were putting out to the public. So after numerous meetings, countless hours of conversation, thinking, developing, learning about their space, learning about their customers, and and really just trying to go through some new ideas. I pitched some ideas to them and most of their team was like, yes, like that's who we are. Now we just need to communicate that to the public. Like, yes, this is the update that we've been looking for, the new vision that we need. So we were excited. We put together a production sheet. We walk into our first meeting and we start talking about things and someone like raises their hand and they're like, what, you know, like, just throw this out there, but like in the past we did this and it worked. Yeah, I mean, it did, yeah. Okay, so, so we'll change it, okay. A couple minutes later, well, you know, when so-and-so was here, we did this program, we, we ran this ad and, you know, that everyone was really happy with how that worked. Okay, so, so we changed that and we just kept going on and on. And at the end of our hour meeting, we looked at the production sheet, held it up against what they were doing 10 years ago, and it was the same. Within the course of an hour, we've already reverted back to what we were doing before, what got us into the trouble that we were in. And obviously this example breaks down eventually, but for the Galatian church, this is what was happening. They found themselves excited about this new teaching this new gospel that saved them. And then over time, they began to fall back into their old routines and their old habits. And that's because false teaching was creeping back into the church. So Paul, you know, one of the things that's different about this, this uh, section of text is Paul is really laying out not just a correction, but he's laying out how heartbroken he is for this church as he tries to point them back to the gospel. So let's pick up in chapter 4, verse 8. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation, so it might be slightly different uh, from what you have. Verse 8. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? You are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I fear for you. Perhaps all of my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Paul is clearly indicating that these are believers. These are people who have been converted. He says, 
So you were slaves to your so-called gods that don't even really exist. But then that conversion, that miracle happened. So he continues. So now that you know God, and then he gives a little bit more insight. He says, so now that God knows you, why do you want to go back to that? Why do you want to go back to that which you were once slaves to? There's a lot that we could dig into this, just this statement. The idea that many people know God. But even demons and Satans know the true God. But that doesn't mean that God knows them as his children yet. Remember in Matthew's gospel in chapter 7, Jesus is teaching. It says that there would be people who say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. What does Jesus reply? I never knew you. So Paul is reminding the Galatians that what's more important than them coming up with their idea of God is that God knows them, that he has set them apart, that they truly know who God is. And if we're rooted in that, why would we want to go back to what we were slave to? So let's talk about it. Why do you think we as followers of Jesus return back to our sin? And I'm going to take the easy one off because we're sinners. Can't use it. Why do we return back to our sin? Habit. Habit. What else? Habits are easier than change. Agreed. Old habits die hard. I'm sorry? Comfort, security. Yeah. So we must like it. We don't believe God, God can fully satisfy us. Mm. It's easier to go back to what we know than to trust in what we don't know. Why else? Fear of judgment. We might get pushed on those beliefs, and so we can fall back into some of those old habits. Why else? Peer pressure. What do we think? It's at, what do we think is at the root of all of these things? Tyler kind of touched on it. the root of it, we don't trust God. We, we don't think God's good enough. We don't think the gospel is good news. I know that might hurt. We might say, oh no, I, I, I do know the gospel is good news. Functionally, we don't, we don't believe it. We say, the gospel is good, but I can still do this. But the gospel is exclusive. It is in its own. We can't deviate from it. 
But the reason we fall back to our sin is because we're corrupted. The only way that we have been freed from that corruption is through Christ. Which is why, as a church, we come together to share the gospel with each other every time we can. That should be the heart of what we do. It's not that we're judging, although that sometimes happens. It's that we care for each other. I want to see sanctification happening, not just in this room, but in our church and in our community. We ought to want to stand up for each other and lovingly say, man, you're falling into sin, what's happening? Or being able to walk up to someone that you know and trust and say, I'm falling into sin, what's happening? Help me see, where am I falling short in this? What is the lie that I am believing about the gospel? When we return to our old selves, or we try to elevate by implementing new strategies for keeping the gospel, we are really just creating weak and useless spiritual principles. And by doing so, we are no longer growing in Christ. Notice how Paul makes the argument that we can uh, lose sight of the gospel in two ways. In, in the opening part of Galatians, he, he's talking about circumcision, and he's talking about you know, keeping the old law. And now he's talking about how we can you know, guard ourselves by you know, keeping holidays, and we keep certain days and seasons and traditions. And so I want, I want to dig into this for just a second. One of the things that's very easy for us to spot is sin that we know that we struggle with. You know, you flip out on someone, you do something wrong, you think poor things about people. We slip into those sins and, you know, our thoughts, words, and actions, those are easily identifiable. And so when, when we reflect on our day or someone confronts us and says, hey, brother, sister, you know, here's a sin that, you've, that I've seen in you. You know, we can identify that, we can know why it's there, and we can repent. The other one is when we try to insulate ourselves or we try to add in safeguards. And I'm not saying safeguards are bad, so I want, I want to say that up front. But what can tend to happen is we try to create spaces around us as buffers. And then eventually we get to the point where we say, as long as I keep this buffer in place, my spiritual health will increase. So all I have to do is keep working on this buffer. I just got to keep doing this thing. And pretty soon our minds now say that buffer is what's helping me grow in faith. And we've taken the power out of the gospel. And again, I'm not saying that those aren't bad, but what we can tend to do is say, if I just do all of these things, I won't fall into sin. The truth is, we will fall into sin. The truth is, we can't necessarily stop ourselves from sinning. That is the curse that we have from the fall. Other ways that we can see this happen is we can overextend ourselves. We can volunteer for everything, which again, isn't bad. But what are you compromising on the other end? If you are in so many things that it takes away from your personal prayer time, it takes away from fellowship with people, it takes away from just having time at home for 
dinner with your family or with friends, if you are constantly having to shake things up because you're so overwhelmed and so busy on doing other things, you can lose sight of the gospel. We can begin to measure success within the church by the number of people attending, by the programs we run, by the budgets we have, and those are good things. But we can run all of those things absent from the gospel, and we need to be very careful of that. There are things that we can do that make us feel good, like observing a tradition or having a a new thing coming in. But if it is absent from the gospel, it can hurt the integrity of the church. And by asking simple questions of how does this feed the gospel to more people is a good question to ask. It's a question we should be asking. How does this get the gospel to more people? So those are questions that we need to ask. The freedom the Christians have is because the gospel is exclusive. There will be things that we need to turn away from in order to guard the gospel. We cannot add anything to the gospel that makes us freer, more loved, or have more favor with God, as Paul points out in this passage. It cannot be reproduced in some other way apart from God. And it's not, again, that we shouldn't put effort into having gospel-centered programs. It's that the gospel should be the primary focus. In verse 11, this is where Paul gets uh, emotional with it. He says, I fear for you. Perhaps all of my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things, for I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. Paul goes on to remind them of how well that they included Paul. He had some kind of sickness when he was first brought, uh, when he first came to, to teach them, and they brought him in even though they could have easily rejected him. He says that they would have given their own eye for him. But now they're rejecting him. And he says, for what? Because I speak the truth? For pointing out their idolatry? For telling them of their sin? This false teaching is beginning to win over the church at Galatia. Paul says those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They are trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. Remember our main idea. For Christians to grow in our faith, we must live free from man-made laws and remember God's true gospel. The battle for our understanding of the gospel is constant and it is growing. Paul continues in verse 19. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone, but at this distance, I don't know how else to help you. Have you ever felt that way with someone? I've told you as much as I can tell you, I don't know how else to help you. The emotion and compassion that Paul is showing here is 
is evident. Here's a man who has poured so much of his mission into teaching them the gospel, and yet he is seeing them just fall away and be tempted. As a church, we should be praying for the shepherds of our flock. We are a flock, and we have shepherds. Are we praying for them? Are we praying for pastors who will plead for our hearts to be rooted in the gospel, to point out where we may be falling into sin? Are we praying for them to encourage us with good news about the freedom that we have in Christ? Are we praying for them to lead us away from thinking that we just need to do more stuff or to be satisfied with Christ? Are we praying that the gospel will shape and form our church? Are we praying for more shepherds to be raised up in our flock? We need more shepherds. We need more people caring for the hearts of those in our church. Again, if you're a member, members meeting tonight, one of the ways that we can come together and support our shepherds and impact our church. The bigger a church is, the more areas that false teaching can creep in. In some instances, these false teachings or ideas may seem to be logical. They may seem to be helpful and beneficial. But again, if they're not rooted in what? The gospel. Their mere morality. Paul uses the final verses in chapter 4 to illustrate the difference between Hagar and Sarah as they are one being a slave, Hagar, and one being free in Sarah, and using this as the differentiation of pre-conversion to post-conversion. In the case of Hagar, Adam, or um, try three, Abraham tried to do things his own way. He said, well, things aren't working out, so you know what? I'm going to go try plan B. God does not have a plan B. So what does God do? He uses Sarah. He fulfills the promise that he had made to them of a tremendous offspring. God intervened when God decided to. And Sarah had her child. God made good on his promise. Pick it up in verse 28. Paul says, And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise. We are children of that promise here today. Just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want, who want you to keep the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born by the power of the Spirit. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. Paul is hammering home and reminding the Galatians we're no longer slaves 
to sin. We're no longer slaves to religion. We are free. We have been adopted. We have been set apart. And we are being sanctified by the Spirit. Christians grow in their understanding of the gospel by sitting under God's word, by submitting to God's word, and by the Spirit transforming our hearts according to God's promise. Our main idea, one last time. For Christians to grow in our faith, we must live free from man-made laws and remember God's true gospel. How can we, especially given our current context here at GBC, of transition, guard ourselves from losing sight of the gospel like the Galatians did? pray for God's will. Yeah. What else? Keep our eyes focused on the gospel. Asking the question, how does the gospel play into what we are doing? What else can we do? We can pray. I'm sorry. Don't try to force things. So we can pray. We can focus and remind each other of the gospel. We can be patient in allowing the Spirit to work and not forcing, not jumping to conclusions on things. What else can we do together? That's big. Don't feel like it's someone else's job. 
one more thing we can do together. Just trust him, yeah. I would say start having conversations. Start broaching that subject of what are we doing as a church? How are we living out the gospel in what we are doing? Are we holding true to the gospel in what we are doing? Are our motives, is our understanding biblical? Have we been swayed? Are we being influenced by outside influences that aren't us? It's very easy to watch things on social media and, and digitally and say, man, look at them. That's so great. Let's just do what they do here. We all have a Bible. We should. That's our blueprint. That's our mission. It is laid out clearly. So let's pray that we can come together and say peripheral things can be peripheral things. Let's make sure that we have who we are as believers. Let's make sure that we, we as believers are rooted in the gospel is what is actually driving what we are doing. Next week, Adam will be taking us through Galatians chapter 5. 1 through 15. So I would encourage you, uh, if you get a chance this week, uh, just you can listen to it through the Bible app or read it. That would be great. Meditate on the words and uh, we'll see you next week.